0: Hey, welcome to Kings for Christ. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We pray that today's message touches your spirit and that you're able to take something from it and
1: grow. And we pray that you enjoy. Thank you. As we get started, uh, the plan today is to read the first two chapters of Psalms, and so it's about eighteen chapter, eighteen verses combined. But as always, uh, before we get started, we're going to go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I
0: thank you for today, God. I thank you. Um, Lord, for allowing us to uh, be here today, waking us up this morning, just allowing us to uh, come together and gather, Lord, to speak about you, to learn more about you, to go through your word, uh, to not only see what it says about us, God, but to see what it says about you and how we can grow in our knowledge and understanding of of who we are and also, God, who you are. Um, I pray, Lord, that we are diligent and intentional with our time, that we are focused on uh, the word today, God, that we are in a position to receive in a position to gain knowledge, in a position, Lord, to grow even that we would accept discipline and we would accept correction, um, and truly just apply it to our lives, oh God, and be able to also give out um, this knowledge and discipline that you have, that you will be given to us, oh God. I pray, Lord, that this morning, God, we just truly have some great conversations. I pray that we are truly able to learn something new or even just have a good remembrance, God. Uh, it's always good to to get like another look at something, guys. So. I pray, Lord, that we truly just hone in on today. Uh, We truly just focus in and just receive everything that you have for us, oh God. Uh, I pray all these things to be done in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. For sure, for sure. So yeah, like I said, this morning, we'll be reading the first two chapters of Psalms. And as you all know, I mean, y'all been here for weeks now. We put up the reading so that everybody takes a turn or has a chance to read and then afterwards talk about it, you know. So um, If you all feel comfortable in like chiming in your thoughts on what you feel stood out to you in the reading. And yeah, we just we just go off of that. You know, And hopefully the conversation keeps going. And so with, with that being said, it's 18 verses. So maybe everybody read about two or three verses.
2: I can start. Book one, Psalms one through 41. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around with other sinners, join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do.
3: They're not the wicked, they are like worthless cash scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction.
0: Psalms 2. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one.
1: Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from the slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his
4: wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill.
5: The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Only acts, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots.
6: Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities, for his anger flares up in an instant.
0: But what joy for all who take refuge in him. You know, I've never seen the Lord's, I guess, like anger be talked about so much in a passage before. I think I, I kind of see like somewhat of the jealousy um, that God has, but I, I also understand too at the same time, it's it's in a position of God knowing what's best for us. And it's not so much of him getting angry that he's receiving, that he's not receiving glory, but more so becoming angry as to us making decisions that really won't help us or us making decisions that will probably harm us. And we can become so uh, naive and not even really understanding what's going on. And I I feel like it's more so God's becoming upset at at that fact, not so much of him not receiving glory and praise. But I don't know, what are are some other thoughts about hearing God's anger uh, in these passages? I think that it just shows like similar to like a parent,
2: right? Our parents know what's best for us, but, you know, we get teenagers and in middle school, we start to be, uh, we start to go our, on our own path. And I think that it's just like that. Like God sees us, He you know, what, what he has for us, but we want to, you know, do our own thing. But then at the end of the day, we always run back to him. Despite, you know, how far we go, how far you go, no matter how far you go, you can always run back to Jesus. And Jesus will put you in a situation that will make you run back to him. I think that it's important to realize that but also know too that you serve a loving god and yes he is a jealous god in the sense of we're his children and and we're his but at the same time he he shows grace with that too it just it just shows how how much god loves us because at the end of the day he could destroy us all like he did in the old testament but through his grace and and through jesus you know he shows grace and mercy that we don't deserve
1: i have like a couple questions and i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to see like how to ask them without making it seem like i'm uh, painting everything in a bad way it's like a genuine question and, and like if anybody has the answer and if if, the, if you don't that's okay but in verse 12 it says submit to god's royal son or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities when i first read that my first thought was like well dang like do we then do we have a choice is it does it feel like free will at that point where it's like if I submit to God I know I'll experience all this joy but then if I don't then I'm exp- I'll be destroyed so it's like I would rather have the joy because it feels like if I don't choose that then I'll be destroyed so then it's like does it really feel like free will or does it feel like we're being forced in one direction and that's what I like initially thought but I wanted to see like what y'all thought so my thoughts on that
4: is that yes it's Still free will, and like here's how I think about it, right? So, for example, let's say like you know the choices. We'll do work, for example. So you're like you know, boss tells you like, hey, you know, these are the times you have to like clock, clock in, clock out, yada yada yada. These are your guidelines. Um, this is how you get paid. Now you still have the option to like either come in, do what he says, or not. But you still like just because you have that option doesn't mean that's like void of consequence. And just because we have free will doesn't mean we have free will, like void of consequence, like we can choose whatever it is we want to do. And that's like our choice. And that's like open and available. But there are certain consequences to what we choose. And that like, you know, if we choose like, the righteous path, the path with God, then you know, we'll get the consequence of that, which is like eternal life with Him. But if we choose anything outside of that, and there is only like one thing you can choose outside of that. But if you choose like not God, then your like consequence is an eternity without God. And in the same way, like, you know, like people ask like, well, if we serve a loving God, why would he force me to like, you know, do this to be able to like be in heaven with him? And it's kind of like, it's not that God is like forcing us to do anything because like I said, we always will have that choice. But if you choose God on the earth then like your eternal life is like chosen with him. But if you choose something outside of God, on the earth, then the way I've heard it explained is that God is too loving and caring to make you like do something you don't want to do. And so earth is like your choice to say like God or not. And if you say not to God, then he's not going to force you into his presence without your consent to that.
0: To add on to that really quick, I think sometimes people in the world can kind of belittle Christ's sacrifice, like literally someone died so that I could live. And it wasn't just anyone, like this is someone who was holy and perfect and righteous, like someone who was literally at the right hand side of God, deciding to step down from his position in heaven to be a sacrifice that pretty much received a punishment that I deserved. I mean, if someone saved my life, like I would do anything to show them and I'm appreciative of that. And I, I don't know, I think sometimes when, it, when you kind of get into like more of a, a religious mindset, some people can kind of push that away. But like, if this was just some some you know random guy stepping in front of a car because you were about to get hit, and then they they decided to get hit instead of you, you we would show so much appreciation towards that person. But that's essentially what Christ did for us. Like He stepped in front of that car. He was the one who who moved us out of that position so that He could receive that pain and suffering. And then we don't we don't show that we love and appreciate that. Like I, I I feel like of course like I would be upset. And also, too Zeke, like
2: he stepped in front of the car, but he stepped in front of future cars, in future dangers that we don't even know yet. You know, that's that's gonna come our way.
3: Yeah, to answer your question, Eddie, I think after reading that, I think we still do have free will. I honestly think he made it like he made the he made it easier. You know, I feel like with a lot of a lot of decisions in life, we don't know the outcome, we don't know the con- consequences of those or whatever we choose. But I think in verse twelve, he he like clearly tells us like what our consequences and what will happen if we choose to like kiss his son or we choose to like live a life of destruction so i think he made like easier he made the choice easier for me
1: yeah i agree with with everything that y'all said and i think that too like especially nowadays a lot of people are set on their mind on like wanting to do their own thing and they see it like serving god as god is like holding them back from having fun or like you know, kind of being out here, verse three, it says, let us break their chains. They cry and free ourselves from slavery to God. In that sense, you, people make it seem like serving God is like you, you trapping yourself and like people really just like, they, they probably don't want to admit it, but at the end of the day, they probably just want to do their own thing. And I think too, like I've been guilty of that too, where I just like want to do my own thing, you know? And I, I know that's just my natural, like fleshly side talking. So
6: yeah. What's amazing about this is and this is something that we always teach look at this in context look at the psalms in context if you read the psalms it says why are the nations so angry nations there if you go back to the hebrew means gentiles why do they waste their time with futile plans right and then it says the kings of the earth prepare for battle the rulers plot together against the Lord. This is literally talking about kings, nations, not just people like ourselves, who go against the anointed one, who've decided that they're literally going to go against Christ. And then they say, let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. Right? So it's just as you guys are speaking, it's it's literally speaking at very high levels of authority. The world and its rulers and its kings going against Christ. And he says then in verse 4, but the one who rules in the heaven, he actually laughs. God scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, and this is amazing, I have placed my chosen king, Jesus, on the throne in Israel on my holy mountain. And then it goes on, and you can actually see Jesus here, right? So then he goes on, and you've seen this before, where the king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, and this is shocking because this is David actually writing this song. The Lord said to me, and this is... God speaking to Jesus, you are my son. The day I have become your father, only ask and I will give you now the nations, the Gentiles, as your inheritance and the whole world, the whole earth as your possession, you will break them with an iron rod and you will smash them like clay pots. And so he's then telling us like he's like you guys, like he said, he's telling you, then he's telling the kings of the earth, now act wisely. Be warned. You're the rulers of the earth. Now serve God with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling and submit to God's royal son, Jesus, or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. It's a psalm about Jesus conquering the rulers
0: of the world. Insights is is great too. Having the perspective of knowing like there are literally people in Authoritative positions openly rejecting God and rebelling against God. That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to what Satan did, right? Trying to to rebel against God. And I mean, we see where, where that got him. And oh, I, I don't know if these kings or whatever understand like that whole story or even know about what happened with Satan. But like, if they do, it's just like, I mean, you've seen what would happen when someone was literally in the presence of God trying to rebel him. And, and that didn't go so well but you can literally see like how Satan is at work within this world and literally going for everyone, especially those in, in some type of authoritative position. Because uh, I, I think that's something that humans are really seek after is some type of authority, some type of leadership, um, especially now and in, in this crazy season of not, not knowing what to do, knowing knows how to go about navigating this whole COVID thing. And so we're just kind of well, what is this president saying? What is this doctor saying? What does this president think? So if there's someone to attack, if there's someone to, to go after, it's definitely someone in a, an authoritative or leadership position. I have a question. So when people are in these authority positions
2: um, and they know people are leading them, why do they lead people astray? In a sense, like, why don't they direct them towards Jesus knowing what's about to come?
6: I think if you look at who writes this song. Right? It's David, a king. And he's a king who's like after God's own heart. You can ask anybody who is your biggest heart as a man? Your kids, right? And he loves, I mean, think about David. He was, you know, he was taking care of the sheep when his brothers were vying to be king, right? He has a love for people that Christ has for people. So Ryan, I think the, the answer is, if you really, really, really love and care about people, you're going to preach the gospel. You are going to show them Christ. You're going to lead them to Christ. Or you can be a ruler who decides to go in an opposite direction for your own personal gain, right? That they would lift you up and say, you know, you're, you're mighty. But it's not about us, though. It never was and never will be about us.
2: <laughs> so I understand that point, but it's not. Well, I just have to realize that it's not about you in order to even be in that right mind frame to say like, hey, you know, um, I'm in I'm in this high authority figure place, but at the end of the day, God's given me the will and, and the ability to be here. Um, and I'm going to use whatever God tells me to do to guide the people to Christ instead of, oh, everybody follow me and I'll lead you, you know, give you the wealth, give you whatever you need instead of relying on Jesus. So you
1: I also think about like do these do these leaders today's leaders do they actually know about this stuff? Like do they know about God? And then on the flip side, maybe they know and they just refuse to acknowledge it. Do y'all think like Joe Biden is like really practicing, you know, Christian's values or whatever? Or do you think he's like doing his own thing or whatever? I I think too, like a lot of the time we see people start off like in the church or start off as a, a Christian and then they get to this level or this platform and then they you know, kind of do their own thing, you know, maybe they're influenced by, you know, the status and wanting to keep it and doing and doing whatever they can to keep it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a, a question of thought, like, think about these different people in authority, different presidents that we've had, if they was really serving God, do you think that the United States would be in a in the state that it's in right now? For a lot of presidents, they proclaim to have, like, you know, believe in God, but then it's like, the, the policies and different things It's like, does that really line up to it? can they even do it or will they even be elected as president? So I don't know.
0: You know, I, I'm thinking about just how we're so in this world, we are more interested in pleasing people as opposed to giving them what is true or what is, what is fact. Especially if you're in some type of like leadership, right? You know, you want to remain where you're at. And so you're going to do things that's going to get people to vote for you to stay in that position or get you to like, Continue to receive the, the power or the benefits that you have for being in that role. So, even if they do believe in God and have some type of relationship with God, they're more concerned about doing what people like. And so, it's like, I'd rather just, you know, just make you happy. I'd rather just please you and just give you the stuff that you actually may need to hear, mm-hmm. even if you don't want it. And it, it could be damaging. And I mean, just if we even, even if we took that approach. As a parent or leader or any type of position like that, if I'm only giving you something that you like, that may make you feel good, but there's gonna need to be some type of growth or some type of learning that people need. And so if I'm if I'm constantly treating you right, even if you do something wrong, even if you deserve some type of punishment, and I still just you know do something that makes you happy, I feel like people could just are doing whatever or getting away with it, whatever. And feel like there's no consequences in this world.
1: Mm. How do we get away from that? How do we get away from or consistently get away from people pleasing? Like, I
2: think, I think uh, staying in groups like this and, help, and holding each other accountable. Because uh, we know out in the world, you, you know, you want to people please. But in a group like this um, or um, a group of believers who really, you know, follow on Christ, and, uh, reading his word and, and things of that nature and, and just ask them to hold you accountable. Like if you see me getting greedy with a certain thing, like tell me and they'll hold me accountable. And then if everybody hold each other accountable, all y'all on the same playing field. So nobody's higher than the the next person. And y'all could come to each other and say, hey, I saw you doing this, this and this. Um, And, you know, this is coming from a place of love. Like you need to stop.
3: I think a lot of times when you're uh, people pleasing, you don't even recognize. So it's just uh, about the people you have around you and somebody being willing to call you out when you are acting different, acting, acting wrong.
0: Sometimes, too, I, I think it can be dependent upon the relationship that you have with, with people. I think it's definitely easier for me to confront someone or to give them truth if I have some type of relationship with them. than then for me to just walk up to somebody random and, and tell them something that they may not want to hear. But that's, I mean, that's really what what God wants us to do. Like, saving souls is, uh, you know, part of the kingdom work, but we're told to make disciples, not just, you know, populate the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So a disciple is more than just telling them about Christ and then giving the life to God. And then now just like, all right, sweet, next person. Like, what they don't have any direction now. Like, give them, you know, access to, to, to Christ. And then now it's just like, what do I do with this? What do I do now? How do I live my life as a servant of God, as a, as a leader or a follower of Christ? That's where the discipleship comes into play, you know? So it's not just telling people about God, it's literally making disciples. So teaching them, training them, praying with them, and also helping them go and share their faith to other people, I think. And that's, you know, when I would go on mission trips, too, that's something that would always bug me. It's just like we would go and share the love of God with people across the nation. And then once we, you know, share the gospel with them, whether or not they accept it or not, we'll just be like, hey, well, you know, that's a seed planted, which for sure is definitely a seed planted. But this is like, man, like, who's going to help? grow the seed now mm. we just we just planted and now there's there's no one to to labor there's no one to tend or take care of, of the garden as a servant of god like yes of course there's a an aspect of letting god doing the work but not all of it like
1: then it, it, die, it dies down you know people go back home and it's like they forget the experience that they had at a <laughs> like a camp like that and then, too, I think, like, do we know enough or are we trained enough to, um, to lead people through that, to continue to, like, help water somebody? We may know, okay, I need to bring this person to Christ. We may know how to present it to them. But then also, do we know how to walk with them after that, you know, after we've, like, presented it to them? And I guess the question also comes to mind, like, are we walking in it ourselves? Are we being discipled ourselves? So then we we'll know ultimately how to disciple someone else. And so just as much as it is important to disciple someone, it's also important to be discipled by somebody, be accountable to somebody, be submitted under leadership, be submitted to whether it's your pastor or a believing mentor, or even just ultimately being submitted to God through reading his word and learning how to walk somebody through it as much as it is important to, to present it to them.
0: We should have someone pointing pouring into us as well as us pouring into somebody else. Yeah. If I'm pouring into somebody else, but I'm not getting poured into, then it's just going to run out and I'm going to be spiritually starving Mm
6: -hmm.
0: or if I'm constantly getting fed, but now I'm not sharing that. Now, you know, I I have a position of being some type of leader, some type of authority and then not even using that. It's almost like wasted, wasted power that you have. Go use it. Go put it into practice. Yeah. Um, I I had somebody say that knowledge is only power when it's applied. So I can have a bunch of knowledge and that's great. But if I don't use my knowledge, what's it for?
6: So let me ask you guys a question to help Eddie where where Eddie's going. And you look at what Eddie thinks. Eddie thinks like how to build operations and organizations. Think Think about this group and think about how by just being a part of the group, how it lifts you up, right? just by coming to these Saturday Bible studies with men, how it makes you a better man. Can anybody talk about just what God's done for them just by being surrounded? And I want you to think about this as the analogy. The reason why people go get the vaccine is because it helps their body fight when something that is bad comes into the body. So how God actually takes people who are actually in a weak state and actually places around them very strong saints, right? In order to to help heal that person and comfort that person and grow that person. And just think about what this group means and could mean to other men, right? Who may be struggling. And even men who are in the group today, like myself, who is older, but struggles. But what you guys are able to do for me.
2: So as for the the five of us, um, we were just talking about this actually a couple weeks ago or last week, how we all sort of prayed for a group like this. And the reason why we did was because we saw our environment and things that were not of God and we wanted to go opposite of that. And we all shared a story how we all prayed for a group like this so I don't know if I answered your question or not (laughs) but we all the the five of us all individually pray for a group that would direct us towards Christ and now that well for me personally now that I have that I don't want to lose it and I I hold it dear to to me because I know the value that it has by coming here every Saturday it fills me and gets me through church does too so tomorrow I'm gonna get filled too but um, just by coming to this and, and being part of a group of men that I want to pursue God together. I think that's something that's invaluable. I mean, not invaluable, valuable to um, not only what we do on this earth, but what we do in heaven as well. So I I do appreciate everybody who come here. Uh, But even if you just listen, because at the end of the day, you're learning something for your salvation. And um, I think just I just think it's powerful, especially a group of men. Like we can have women, too. Women can come. But um, it's just something about a group of men coming together to pursue God that just I mean, it just it make me happy, honestly.
0: I I think was to kind of continue what Rian was saying. It's just like it started out with just five of us and man, I mean, there's been some weeks where there was like 20 or almost 20 people on the call and all men seeking after the Lord, trying to learn about God and trying to navigate their relationship with God. All of us kind of being really in the same position. Some people may be more spiritually mature than others, but at the end of the day, we're still trying to learn. We're still trying to grow and also just want to have a space where we could just talk and just be open and free and vulnerable about what's going on in life. And sometimes this is like, man, like I didn't that this would be the, the outcome like it literally just started off as like us five trying to memorize some scripture and then now we're in a zoom um, inviting all different types of people to come inside and outside of the state uh, making a podcast and this is like it's crazy to see like what, what we're doing now from, from what's something that started and like for me personally it's definitely helped challenge me to grow in my relationship with God to not just keep my faith like on Sundays and Saturdays, but to really like carry God with me throughout the week. It's definitely challenged me to be open more, be vulnerable more. I think another area too that's been helpful was just uh, addressing conflict. I know it may not be something too much that we talked about, but just being here has allowed me to kind of like address certain stuff like that and not necessarily run from it, but rather talk about it whenever it's necessary.
1: I think for me, it's just been like, I feel like every Saturday, I feel uh, like I get like re-anchored. Especially these, I don't know, it's weird. Just like last, like few months or a couple weeks, it's always like been like a struggle sometimes, like mentally. But then you know, I come by Saturday and I got kind of get re-energized and like refreshed, seeing um, different different men and that are you know in the same boat. Kind of get reminded that, of course, that I'm not alone. And it kind of gives me that motivation to um, continue praying and continue like reading. So for me, it kind of like it, it strengthens me. It kind of gives me the boost. I want to get to a place where I'm not like, all right, I'm waiting for that Saturday to get my boost. And then like by the by the time it's next Saturday, I'm like drained and I'm get, trying to get that boost again, like trying to get to that point where I'm like the boost is maintained and i think that into this group like reminds me to like read the word every day and pray every day and that's how the boost is like maintained. but to be honest here yeah, like it's a it's been like more of a struggle and i think it's because of my desire to want to get close to god that maybe the past life and the enemy and it's like a, like attacking and then sometimes doubt settles in like is this all really worth it is this all even real but then to see all these men that are be- strong believers as well just like it gives me that encouragement. It's like, okay, there's something to this, you know, this, this is worth it. You know, this is something sacrificing my life for and giving up my life for to gain something better. You know, that's just me. I I could be even more like transparent, but you know, that's what it is. That's what this group is. So it's definitely a blessing to me for sure.
5: Yeah. And I can, you know, add to that because this, this small group is a part, you know, like of my testimony that I'm sharing tomorrow at my church, my baptism. So like, I'm happy for this group. Like I look forward to it every Saturday, and just you know, just talking to y'all like on a daily. So, I mean, I look forward to the group. I mean, I feel like I grow every every Saturday, and you know, like I'm held accountable coming out about anything. So, yeah, thankful for this group. Thankful for y'all. Y'all are part of my testimony. So, appreciate y'all. Without small group like this group, like I don't even know like if I would even be a Christian right now. Just Joining like that Bible study back in April, like that meant a lot. And, you know, like the rest is history. So without this group, I mean, I don't even know if I would even be like involved in the church right now, you know, um, serving and even being like on this call. So, yeah, thankful for the group.
4: Just to remind everybody, Psalm 1 starts and it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. This is like part of my testimony too. Um, It says that, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked. And so pretty much one of the things that I've like come to see in my walk with God and in other people's walk with God and some of the guys that I talk to like outside of this call, I have a really like solid group of like Christian friends that I can like really like call on. Like when I'm going through dirt and just be like, yo, like I need to get some stuff off my chest. I'm really like feeling this right now. I want to scream at somebody. I want to fight this person. Like I really like and they are there to like calm me down, hear me out and not just be like, oh, well, you know, you're too holy for that or anything like that. But just truly be able to like be there for me and like push me back to God once I'm done with all the stuff that I like need to go through sometimes it's it's like funny because the bible always tells us in multiple different ways like you know who you surround yourself with is important and so they tell us I think in one of the parables I can't remember which book but Jesus tells us that like you know a little I think it's called like leaven like it pretty much like a little leaven like ruins the whole loaf of bread and like throws everything off but then he also tells us that like iron sharpens iron and so it's not about like Well, if I'm a good person and I'm hanging out with a bad person, then I'm going to become bad always. Or if I'm a good person hanging out with a bad person, then they're going to become good always. But it's about who pretty much feeds the other person. And so if you let the negativity feed you, then you'll get swayed into the unrighteous action. But if you stand in there to actually like be a light, then you'll feed other people's unrighteousness and lead them to righteousness. And that's why the word tells us in this scripture, and I think it says it again in Proverbs, to meditate on his word like morning, noon and night so that we can actually feed the unrighteous and actually bring them back to God. Because it's one thing to just be around unrighteous people. But it's another thing to be around them and try to lead them back to Christ. Cause anybody can just sit back and like chill with people. Like that's not like something that's extremely hard. And even though there might be things that like hit you and like make you cringe up, anybody can like honestly sit back and just like, you know, chill because we have family that's like not safe. At least I do. I can't talk for everybody. But I have family that's like not safe. And it's easy to just sit back and just sometimes just let life be and just like hang around them. But to be in their presence and constantly, like, try to point to Jesus in everything I do, that's a different level of commitment.
2: And another thing I'll say, too, is that um, we're all on this walk, right, to um, further our relationship with Jesus and stuff. And I wanted to say that in this group, like, we're not all perfect. Um, we all fall short, and I think through our testimonies with each other um, will give us strength to keep walking on the right path. Because we all fail no matter if you 70 years old or seven years old, we all going to fail. And I talk about this often. You just got to keep going regardless of what happened. Um, It just never, it, I just call it a relentless pursuit to, towards Jesus. Cause we all going to fall short. He was the only one that walked this life perfectly and walked it out to a T perfectly. So and to think that you can do that now I realize it's sort of disrespectful. <laughs> and I realized that now cause I tried it and it didn't work out, <laughs> but I just think that, you know, we all going to fail and and to have that counselor to say, you know what, y'all messed up. And for them to pray for you and not like ridicule you or like say like, oh, but you were Christian, all Christians now. Now they, you know, view Christians differently. And we all have that same mindset on this call. I think that's powerful um, because instead of us pushing each other away from Jesus, we push each other towards Jesus. I mean, a lot of people don't have that. I mean, I think that that's very powerful because, I mean, one little slip up in this group could be, you know, one person say something to somebody else or whatever the case may be, and it can, you know, all go to shambles. But I think here, you know, this is a place because we all view God and hold him up in a high light. You know, we all push each other towards Jesus in a way that, you know, the world wouldn't.
0: That kind of makes me think about like how I'm thinking about it now. I feel like there is nobody in this world who's really able to do their job by themselves. Like you even look at like people who are kings or prime prime ministers or presidents, like they have cabinet officers. They have people who are even soldiers to protect them. They have people who who, they have assistants have other people to help them along the journey and help them to do the job that they're doing. And so to me, it's it's a no brainer that I'm going to need some people to help me with my faith. I'm going to need some people who are going to to encourage me, who are going to protect me, who's going to pray for me, who's going to hold me accountable to really just help me along this whole thing. And so I can't do this by myself, just like nobody else can do anything by themselves. Like we are made to be relational beings, that we are made to be in fellowship with others. And so how great is it to really have the opportunity like this to where we can fellowship with one another, we can do stuff with one another, we can pray for each other, we can up with each other. And it, and it, and it goes beyond Saturdays. that like we can still do stuff outside of what we do every Saturday morning. Like it's it's amazing. I, I encourage all of you. I mean, why would God have you guys read about
6: kings and rulers? I mean, if you really think about, I mean, just all of you, you guys are athletes. And ultimately you know as an athlete that in order for you to become better, you want to be with the best athletes right? You know what I'm saying? You want to be on the best team. You want to be on the best squad, right? Why would God have you guys all read and study about being kings and about being rulers, right? So that you can help one another. I mean, think about what makes great leaders great, being around other great rulers, keeping yourself accountable. I will bet you, if you look at all of the people in the world who are CEOs and the people who are governors and the people who are presidents, I bet you they are surrounded with the ones who are really good with other great rulers, right? You know what I'm saying? That keep them accountable and say, hey, listen, I know you have a real life struggle. Marquel always, like always pushes me and has been pushing me towards this for the last like two years. How do you really live Christianity? How do we as men support one another in our everyday real life, right? You know, I go out there and I sell software. How do I help other people sell software? How do we actually help one another in real life, you know, walk out what God has given us to do? And I think you guys will be amazed that if you probably look at, I don't know what God's going to do, who knows if you look at this group of men and you stay together and you continue to support one another and help other each other in real everyday issues, you would never, you might be shocked at what God does with this group of men. And then the men that obviously you, you build and you serve, but he's doing something through you guys. That
1: is incredible. And I think you touched on a good point too, about like, how do we live this out? How do we Live this every single day, and I think that you know we're all like learning, and that nobody has ever made it like made it to that point. Jesus is the only one that lived this out perfectly, and so that's why we look to him as the example. And so for for me, I just feel the need to say, just we just got to keep praying, keep pushing, keep pressing in, and know that the things that we des- that that we desire, the things that we want to like change, I feel like they will eventually because. God doesn't withhold any good thing from the people that He loves. We gotta trust Him even when we can't trace Him, and that being being with a group of men like this, it shows that God is working, that God is moving, that God is in control. He still sits on the throne. So yeah, that's some of the thoughts that I have that I'm having. Like just we gotta just like keep keep praying, keep doing this thing, no matter who shows up or not. Being consistent in our walk, um, especially with God, who is consistent in loving us and um, waking us up even when we don't feel like we deserve it
3: <laughs> as you know i'm probably the only person in the group that's not from michigan or never even been in michigan in my life so um thankful for the invitation that that, that trey gave me and uh you know i think trey was the first friend i've been uh, i grew up in a church and everything but trey was like the first friend that like you know i could openly have a conversation about christ with wow and, uh, you know i moved to california in september at 7 30 a.m. This a.m so this is really early it's like eight o'clock whenever the the group starts but every every Saturday at seven thirty, I got a text from Trey, till asking me in my joining Bible study. Just having people to hold me accountable, you know. I talk to Zeke every now and then um, through Instagram, so I appreciate him. So you know, it, it's it's very rare that you can find a group of people that you know you can have, especially like our age that you can have these conversations with. But then um, people from a different state or a different place that I've never been and I've never seen it, it's even even more special to me. But yeah, I think um, Rion, Rion said something about sharing. I'll, I'll share my testimony with y'all real quick, too. Just just because, you know, I think it is important. I think Rion mentioned it earlier. So, uh, yeah, I grew up in a two-family. I had a mom and a dad. Both went to church every single Sunday. Like, my mom, she sits in the same spot. To this day, probably for like 30-plus years. You know, a uh, very stable home. My mom always had a job as a teacher. She worked at the same school my entire life. My dad, he uh he worked at the hospital my entire life before he retired. I, you know, I grew up I had a nice a nice life growing up. My mom was a teacher. She thought it would be best for me to go to like inner city schools and learn from people that looked like me. So I, I grew up going to predominantly white schools and then in uh, high school I made the switch over to uh all black high school. It was like ninety nine point six percent black. And then um, you know, I, I hated it at first. thought it was the worst decision ever, but it turned out to be the best decision for me. Go on to college and this is like my first like my first chance at freedom. Like growing up I was always my parents, you know, they're like Really like strict, and they thought like you know I didn't really have a lot of freedom. So I went to college and uh, experienced freedom. Freshman year, uh, I think my first semester I finished with a 0.88 GPA. I came in like a 4.0 student, and I had less than a 1.0 my first semester. I was supposed to get expelled, but by, by his grace, somehow I got the opportunity to come back for a second semester. Second semester, you know, I didn't learn my lesson because the grades didn't improve and my behavior didn't improve either. Um, I end up I got recorded in the dorms. And and I was in a fight and it got recorded and it got eventually it got sent off to um student conduct. And then again by his grace, I was able to stay. I don't know how like first off I had my GPA wasn't even above a one 0. I was getting into fights and my grades weren't improving, but still I was able to come back for uh my sophomore year. And you know, you would think by this time that, you know, I, w- I will I understand what was going on. But you know, sophomore year I think was the year where, you know, my life just kept falling downhill. Um First semester, my grades didn't get better. You know, I was still struggling with school, and it wasn't the work, it was just doing the work. You know, like, I was free. In a sense, I was doing whatever I wanted to, you know. Kind of like you asked about free will earlier. I, I was making the, the free will to, like, live, not for not for God and not live, not have my parents raise me. You know, I was just living, being free, living, doing whatever I wanted to do, not thinking about the consequences of my actions. So sophomore year, grades were bad. Uh, and then I had got into three car accidents within three months of each other and the car accident, the, the, the last one was really bad. We flipped off the highways eight times and you know, you know how we are. I was in the, I was in um, a Ford Explorer with uh let me think, seven people, a five seater with seven people. So I was like, actually like in the lift gate, like the back, the hatchback part. And we flipped off the highway eight times. And then um I actually flew out the window and not a scratch. Literally the only thing I had was like body aches and I had like one scratch on my face, but, um, I got prescribed um, Xanax for, for like the pain I had, the, the fact that we were, all of us walked out there with like just scratches and stuff on us. But um, the Xanax, you know, the prescription of Xanax, the pain, the pain, um, the pain, I was in a lot of pain, like a lot of sore pain. And I started using the Xanax that I was prescribed. And then this turned into like a little addiction that I had for about six months. And um, it wasn't until like the night I woke up. And I was, like, laying in a puddle of mud that I realized, like, I didn't know what, like, I realized I had completely lost control of my life. So the second semester of sophomore year, I was finally able to, like, get my grades back together, slowly but surely. And you know, um, junior year it was the year my life had changed because it was the year I was introduced to, like, women's basketball. And it was the year that I got, like, my job with uh, the women's team, you know. From there on, like, you know, my grades, my behavior, I got involved. I started going to church again. My mom, she finally trusted me enough to give me my car. So I was able to... Uh, to drive down to church again, but you know, I was still living for the world. Although things look better on surface, like deep down inside, you know, I was still choosing to live a lot. It was just hidden, you know, I felt like it was just hidden. Like you couldn't, if you like, if you wasn't close to me, you couldn't see it, but like as before, but it was still hidden, but you know, just kept living like that for the next couple of years. And then COVID happened. And then when COVID happened, uh, I really just slow, like life just slowed down for me. You know, it was not forced, but you know, there was nothing else for me to like get into. I started getting on Zooms with people, met Trey, and um. My mom. It was a uh, November 2020. My mom invited me um to like a Sunday night service. That that day, uh, it was it was I don't know what it was. It was just something. I think uh, the song that they played was "Big" by Mike Pastor Mike um, Mike Jr. And I listened to that song, and that I think that song changed my life. And um from there on, it's been a different. It's been a different. I've been like a completely different person. Uh, I've been in the church. I started serving in the church before I moved to California. Um, I was serving on the. Um, the middle school and high school Wednesday night service. I was doing um parking lot service. I was like literally like surrounded by people of Christ and yeah. it just sometimes you just gotta slow down. Some like and like you know life will slow you down if you don't if you don't catch up to you fast enough. But I'm just grateful that you know he just kept saving me because you know done done a lot. And he's he constantly saved me. So that's why I know um you know I know he's real. You know I I I've been saved multiple times. You know. I hope that my testimony could uh, save somebody else. I think uh, people, people wouldn't share a lot of the things I've done, people wouldn't share it, but you know, I just hope that like the things that I've done could like save somebody else from doing, or even having to experience those years of uh, all that, all the pain and all the hurt and all the the things I've caused upon myself and uh, on others. So yeah, that's it. That's, that's my testimony.
2: I just want to let you know, power comes from our testimony and I just want you to know that God loves you and no matter how far you think you are away, you're, you're not that far away from God and he loves you. And and he wants you to know that no matter what happens in this world, that he will always have your back.
1: Man. Yeah. That was like, like awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And it's powerful (laughs) to hear that, especially with the, I guess I had a question about, about the Xanax. Like did the doctor, did they tell you about those, like the factors, like the uh, the risk, I guess, or, and then how did you work through that? Like when you realized that it was becoming like addictive, like how did you break out from that or break away from it?
3: Yeah, definitely never, never told me that, like the addictive part about the X. you know, I was just taking, at first it started off just taking them for like the pain from the accident, but eventually the pain wore off in like three weeks. And then it was just like, you know, just used to like being like, you know, that like the high, you just got used to the high and I just started like finding a way to get them. Hmm. And then it was the night, it was a night. I woke up literally in a puddle of mud like outside. It was like the next morning, like eight o'clock in the morning, the sun woke me up and I was like laying in mud and I was filled with mud. And that's when I realized I didn't remember anything that had happened before. And I knew it was because of the Xanax. And that's when I realized that like, yeah, I I can't keep waking up like this and waking up in the puddle of mud. And it, it wasn't like, you see, I don't know. It wasn't hard for me to stop like once that happened it was it was real easy for me to stop and Mm -hmm. I think that I mean I think that goes back to like the way I was raised I knew that I didn't need it and uh, you know I knew that it was was, I don't know what I don't know if it was a phase or what it was but I just knew that it wasn't me and I didn't need it so stopping wasn't hard once that happened but before that happened yeah I, I didn't even recognize that I was addicted to it I was just taking them
2: I wanted to speak to Isaiah because I'm a I'm a clinician, so I work with substance abuse. Um, and the reason why the doctors didn't tell you is because they want you to get hooked on it so they can keep making money. I deal with it every day. I see it every day. And for you to get out of that, it's, it's great because you're a part of that 1% of America who gets help. Because the other 99% uh, or 10%, excuse me, 10% get help. Because the, the other 90 don't get help and they will be substance abuse for the rest of their life. Again, God had his hand on you <laughs> So I just think God's favor over your life is been something that's been saving you and, and, and you really been trusting it and it just keeps happening. And, and God loves you, man. Like, God really, like, you're a prime example of, of God's grace and mercy and love showering over
3: your life. Yeah, sometimes you need to hear that, so I appreciate that, Rian. Yeah, I
6: think the thing that that I've seen, and, and I think this is absolutely incredible, I, you know, I, God shows you things at certain times in, in, in your life. And if you look at this group, of men. I'm going to tell you something that I realized watching Last Chance You for the last couple of weeks, binge watching it. There's nothing that can stop. If you think about who's writing this Psalm, who's David, right? David was an incredible warrior, right? So think about David. He had to be incredibly athletic. He killed Goliath, but he was also into the word of God and he's a king. I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's a whole lot in the world that mm. can stop an athlete who is smart and an athlete who has God, I it's hard to beat. I mean, if you look at a lot of leaders in the world, the only people that I see that can beat athletes who are smart are nerds who are very focused. But a nerd who is focused, right, can get can go through things in life, but not have that will to get back up and to fight, right? You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have the will of David to, to to get chased by Saul, you know, like part of his life. He doesn't have that will of like Joseph to be put in prison and to come back, you know, by the power of God and then to end up ruling over Egypt. An athlete who is smart, I'm going to be honest with you, and who is into the word of God cannot be beat. He's, he's designed to be a warrior. And I think that's one thing that I saw, you know, I, I watch, I, I'm not turning this into a last chance you, is Satan always wanted all of those athletes to think that if I make it to the NFL, I'll be great. Or if I make it to the NBA, I'll be great. But Satan doesn't want you to recognize that if you're an athlete, if you have that desire, and Paul even describes in, in the book of 2 Timothy, that an athlete or a hardworking farmer or a warrior is somebody who is incredibly useful and especially if you have the word of god you can't be beat a nerd who who has god is also very very talented but he doesn't have that fight to get back up again and again
1: as we wrap up this episode we just want to thank you all for tuning in for your for your support of kings for christ and we just hope that you stay tuned stay tuned for more episodes as we continue to kick this out um, and continue doing this in the future and while you at it follow us on instagram at we are k4c again on instagram follow us at we are k4c and along with that share with family and friends and we hope that this is not the last time that you've taken the time to hear from Kings for Christ. Until next
5: time.